1: Good afternoon. It's WTIC. Todd with you. I am very uh, obsessed with this Chris Murphy thing. I am. Nobody's complained yet that I'm focusing so much on it, but I want to keep uh, focusing a little bit more and make a new point on the sound cuts from Chris Murphy because I, I do think that I do think we have a unique opportunity, which is what I'm always looking for, to understand exactly how the con men con and exactly what they're up to what is the game they're playing and and matthew McConaughey speaking at the um capitol yesterday is that where he spoke i think it was the capitol but anyway you get to see the game when the bigger fish get into it so we started off with chris murphy doing an incredible performance uh seemingly feigning uh to be on the verge of tears or or sobbing while he was speaking on the floor of the Senate a couple of weeks ago. First him
2: 14 kids dead in an elementary school in Texas right now.
1: That's as loud as I can get that Joey is that okay? Okay, this is an actual pause from Chris. Give me time to talk and he's back. What are we doing? What are we doing?
2: What are we doing?
1: And that was the shot heard around the world from Chris Murphy for how do you, what I, what I see him doing is having decided after Sandy Hook that he had a unique opportunity. And that was to brand himself, to cloak himself in the tragedy of Sandy Hook and then jump into the forefront the next time there was a similar tragedy. He would just wait and put some years under his belt as a senator. And then when the next opportunity came along, when another Sandy Hook came along, he would put the other bookend into his career. And he would become the voice of that new tragedy and become a national leader, maybe the national leader in gun violence. That's what I think Chris Murphy is up to. And I think it's it's plain. It, it's, if you think about it and just look at how he handled it, and, and plus the contradiction, the change in his position, how it's morphed from being a supporter of gun rights and claiming adamantly in the tape I've been playing this week that there's nothing you can do. There's no law you can pass that would stop those kind of horrible events. I'll play that again in case you haven't heard it, but not yet. And then uh, part two of this sequence
2: Days after a shooter walked into a grocery store to gun down African American
1: patrons,
2: we have another Sandy Hook on our hands.
1: The sobbing, the quiet sob.
2: What are we doing? We spent hours.
1: And then we go to Joe Biden. Joe Biden, I believe, was sitting in the White House watching Chris Murphy on TV and yelling at his staff, How come nobody wrote me this speech? Where's my speech? Why is he getting all this attention? I should be getting all this attention. Or maybe they woke his aides, maybe woke him up from his nap and said, look, look what you could be doing.
3: We spent hours with hundreds of family members who were broken, whose lives will never be the same.
1: So in, in what was virtually a carbon copy performance, Joe Biden went after the um Chris Murphy's driving in the pole position. Is that what you call it when you're first place? Or is that just when you're starting? How's that work in car racing, Joey? You familiar with that? The pole position, does that mean you're inside at the start of the...
4: Yes, that would be the start of the race.
1: But not, doesn't and mean no, you're leading. No, okay. So he's wondering why he's why Chris Murphy got the pole position. Yeah, and he's about carrying that? the water for Chris Murphy at this point. Yeah, he he wanted his own Murphy moment. So this is it.
3: They had one message for all of us. Do something. Just do something. For God's sake, do something.
1: Now, that had to be exciting for Chris Murphy because he's watching Joe Biden. He's saying, wow, he got his guys to write him a Chris Murphy speech, and it's not even as good. It's a facsimile. Then over in Texas, who's watching all this but Matthew McConaughey? You remember he teased on running for governor this year, but but I, I guess bowed out after realizing it wasn't in the cards but he he clearly has politics in his future and on the brain and he thought he would create his own moment but he thought he's the best performer right this is i'm I'm imagining him now talking to himself well 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 god matthew you can do you can do this way better than them you're a professional actor and they're only amateurs so he decides to do his own Chris Murphy moment. But McConaughey is, I don't know, he's too slick. I don't think it works. Listen to him.
3: Look, is this cure-all? Hell no. But people are hurting. Families are. Parents are. And look, is is divided as our country is. This gun responsibility issue is one that we agree on more than we don't. It really is. Look, this should be a a nonpartisan issue. This should not be a partisan issue. There is not a Democratic or Republican value in one single act of these shooters. It's not. But people in power have failed to act. So we're asking you. And I'm asking you, will you please ask yourselves?
1: No, McConaughey was right in there in Washington, sticking it in their faces. And he wanted to have it every way. He wanted every he represented every position in his remarks. Every angle. And he spoke like a preacher just to bring in, you know, to capture the religious religious right at the same time.
3: Can both sides rise above? Can both side see beyond the political problem at hand and admit that we have a life preservation problem on our hands. So we got a chance right now to reach for and to grasp a higher ground above our political affiliation. Above. A chance to make a choice that does more than protect your party. A chance to make a choice that protects our country now and for the next generation. We've got to take a sober, humble and honest look in the mirror and re- rebrand ourselves based on what we truly value, what we truly value. We got to get some real courage and honor our immortal obligations instead of our party affiliations. Enough with the counterpunching. Enough with the invalidation of the other side. Let's come to the common table that represents the American people. Find a middle, middle ground. The place where most of us Americans live, anyway.
1: All right, that's Matthew McConaughey. Who do you think got, got the best of this competition for grabbing the emotional moment of the Uvalde shooting? 8605 229 842. I would say, ironically, Matthew McConaughey, the professional actor, he comes in last place in my book. Do you agree? Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Who's your favorite there? I'm I'm leaning towards Chris Murphy having done the best job, and it makes sense that a ambitious, driven, younger political figure who actually did go through the process of of healing with the families and coping with the agony with the families from Sandy Hook. So. You could see him being in a better position to figure out how to calibrate the message. But I think he did the best. And I think Joe Biden, I don't know, Biden was terrible. You'll have to sort it out for me. Who won this little competition to be able to kidnap the emotional moment of those horrible events in Texas and turn them into political? Hey, in my opinion, I'm not being a wise guy. I'm saying what I think is absolutely obvious and true, and that is that when they see an event like this, they see a chance to get ahead. Chris Murphy had a plan, and he hatched it beautifully, and he is now a national figure on guns and a national figure on kids getting shot in school. He's the expert you want to get on your show. I think Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Paul and Thomaston. Hi, Paul. Wait a sec. Which one? Oh, did I lock it? It's not, uh, hello? Okay. Hold on, caller. Sorry about this. We're having a little, just a little challenge. Just a minor league challenge. I'll use the right side. Let's see if it works there. Yes, Paul, you're on the air this yeah. time. Sorry about that.
5: State, I want to say a couple of things as a state of Connecticut employee. At the Southbury Training School in Southbury, Connecticut. Uh, the karate <laughs> is just unbelievable. Uh, oh, where do I start? First of all, I, I, the, the commercial. Ned's commercial. Ned Lamont's commercial. Mm-hmm. What a hollywood package, slick, phony job. He obviously had a Hollywood director do it. And it's so posed and is sickening. You know, the phony smiles, and and, and I'm sure they, they had the lighting just right, and we'll do it in the sun. I can imagine the director that, Ned, I, God knows what he had to pay in production costs. He needs to go back to Greenwich, buy the pool, and have a Mai Tai, and get the hell out of state government. He really
1: All right, move on to and, the uh, the shooting okay, speeches.
5: I, oh, you want to talk about the shooting? Okay. I, I won't go. The I was going to another direction. Okay, Matthew McConaughey, grandstanding.
1: Well, all three of them. Three grandstanders.
5: Oh, there were three. I missed the other. The
1: president of the United States, Chris Murphy, who the president was ripping off, and Matthew McConaughey sitting in Texas, and he sees those two, and he says, wow, this is all you have to do to do politics. Well, I'm a professional actor. I I can sling the bull better than them.
5: I don't know what it qualifies an actor to make any kind of speech about anything. All actors do is pretend there's somebody else. Exactly, just
1: it. like politicians.
5: <laughs> well, said, yes, exactly. But anyway, um, I, I, I'll, I'll talk about the, the corruption that I see in the state system another time. Um, but, yeah, you want to talk about the gun stuff. And, and I, I, you know, my opinion, I think they should ban all the guns. And just the police and the military should have the freaking guns. Keep it simple. It works very well in other countries. Australia. Well,
1: oppression and... works well in other countries, too. Like uh, North, North Korea works really well. They're, they've got a yeah, great but, nuclear uh, program we, going along. And everybody we, enjoys starvation and having no freedoms.
5: Should we sacrifice kids' lives so people can have their uh, handguns?
1: Those are, should we so. sacrifice our freedoms so uh-huh. that politicians can have more power?
5: Well, we're kind of going off on another. Uh, no,
1: no, that's the there. that's the uh, that's really the and the the answer to your question is that question. Because well. what you're saying is we can never have freedom, because we will always say, "Oh no!" To keep us safe, Ned, you should really shut down the whole society for a few years to make sure COVID doesn't kill anyone, and then well, yeah, you, and then if I argue, I no, you got to open businesses. People are starving. Kids need to go to school. They need normalcy in their life. Paul says, oh, you really want to risk their lives?
5: Let me reiterate something I told you a year ago, of six months ago. My good friend, Artie Johnson, died because of Ned Lamont's poor infection control. He had a whole year to get it right. But that's the answer to the
1: argument you just made, is when politicians do things to keep us safe, they kill people.
5: (laughs) Well, he didn't keep us safe. He didn't pay attention. He didn't pay attention to the basics of infection control. And people died because of it. There are certain staff that I work with who have not come back. They are still wrapped with COVID for four or five six months.
1: All right, Paul. That's my point. That's my point. That's exactly my point. These people cannot be trusted. Eight six oh five two two nine eight four two. Who made the best speech? Who is right? Are any of them right? Chris Murphy, Joe Biden, Matthew McConaughey. You agree with any of them? All of them? What? Stay with us. Quick break. WTIC.
2: 14 kids dead in an elementary school in Texas right now.
1: A performance designed, I believe, to propel Chris Murphy into the stratosphere of national politics, which it has effectively done. Joe Biden gets nervous, makes a similar speech, has his speechwriters write the answer to the Chris Murphy speech, but doesn't quite come off. And and Matthew McConaughey says, hey. I'm a better actor than the two of them. Why don't I get into this business right now? Let me just waltz into Congress because they'll do anything for me. I'm a celebrity. It's kind of pathetic, but but the news covers it. They all act like this is important stuff going on instead of a game of uh, charades. Will and Waterbury. Hi, Will. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Let me try it again. Will, oh, go oh,
4: ahead. I can hear you now. Yeah, I just want to say it's amazing how you can uh, – if I listen to you for two more seconds, you can change my mind about anything. It's it, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I initially when I heard you talking about McConaughey and Murphy, my, my gut instinct was to say, "Hey, McConaughey laid it on the thick. laid it on the thickest." Yeah. But then I I started thinking about it, and you were like, "Murphy nailed it." I mean, Biden isn't even in competition. He can't articulate right. a single word of his own, so he doesn't really count. But I listen. You know, Murphy is one sided. He's 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 where, he's our politician. He's where he's at with his, his whole approach mcconaughey after all of what he said but i listened to a good portion of it i listened to through the ears of to the ears of a conservative and mm-hmm. both ways that i listened to it i could convince myself that he was referring to me so i i think that kind of middle of the road what, what the reality of what we both know is what which way he's going with it but he presents it like let's just all meet in the middle and talk about this when what he's bringing up, he's not really making a stand one way or the other. He wants, he wants to have everyone – look, it doesn't matter about party, when in reality, it's, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, if you go far left, the far left don't want the – it's, it's obvious. Right,
6: you right. Know? So
1: Yes, and he, it, was, I, he was encompassing both. You're right. He was doing a, a populist plea saying, we can all come together. We can discuss this. We can have A. We can have B. We can have C. We can have D. And, and two of those appeal to the left and two to the right, so everybody's happy when they hear it.
4: Yep, and that to me is just—it's horrible. You have to make a stand. You have—you have to. If you're—if you're, if you're going to say you don't want the guns, Matt, just say it. Just say, you know, like it's—I I don't know. It's just—he's uh, he's got political least,
1: consultants.
4: There you go. There you go. That's but I mean, happens. he's probably—he's probably.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, Will. You just disappeared on us. Bad signal the whole time, though. Thank you so much for the call. Good to hear from you. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. And don't forget this Chris Murphy performance. The best of all. This was the best of all because this was nine years ago. I think. Is this it? Um, yes
2: no gun law in the world is going to stop somebody from picking up a firearm and doing something dumb with it. And so, like, at some like at some level, I had a lot of my friends in Congress who think you can solve all this stuff with gun laws, you cannot. You, um, if you
1: cannot. Did you hear that? You cannot solve this with gun laws, said Chris Murphy. And then, then he did something even more outrageous. Listen again.
2: I had a lot of my friends in Congress who think you can solve all this stuff with gun laws. You cannot. Um, if you want to solve the problem of gun violence in general, but specifically urban gun violence, then you gotta, you got to make these cities more livable places, and you got to give these kids a sense of hope.
1: There's there the real hit. There's the one you can't miss. Chris Murphy accuses Democrats of not giving those kids hope, of not providing them appropriate upbringings and it's really it's unbelievable that a democrat at his level ever said that
2: um, if you want to solve the problem of gun violence in general but specifically urban gun violence then you gotta you gotta make these cities more livable places.
1: you've got to make the cities livable places and you've got to give the kids hope chris murphy said it's amazing that he was able to get away with it. And, and again, I'll say it again. What's really amazing is none of this makes it on TV. You see how the news is complicit with, with the Democrats? The Democrats put on charades and the media just goes along. The media won't cover, won't include content That would contradict the phony story. So this piece of tape would make any one show, it seems to me, the hot show for the night. That would be the big show. If they they played Chris Murphy doing the sob story and then played Chris Murphy saying... Um.
2: No gun law in the world is going to stop somebody from picking up a firearm and doing something dumb with it. And so, like, at some like at some level, I had a lot of my friends in Congress who think you can solve all this stuff with gun laws, you cannot.
1: Now, if I were running a national newscast or one of the 24-7 news stations, I would be looping this Chris Murphy right next to the sobbing Chris Murphy on the floor of the Senate and say which one? Which one should we believe? Which one did Chris Murphy mean? Which one was he telling the truth? I'm sorry, Joey, I went late. We can go to the break now if you want. Or do you want me to bring it right up to the bottom? Okay. Um, how How does everybody just sit there and not cover that Chris Murphy, after Sandy Hook, at his most emotionally impacted, we have to assume if he has a heart, he was incredibly torn apart after Sandy Hook. And he spoke on other things, other parts of the gun conversation and other issues. He spoke uh, with balance and, and apparent honesty. And now all that's out the window. You're not allowed to talk about anything, including mental health, by the way. He spoke about mental health as if that was something we had to talk about before. I don't. It just seems obvious to me. Stay with us. We're going to break for news on WTIC. Mr.
0: from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast.
1: W-T-I-C, what is this? It's Wednesday, right? Hump Day, mid-week. All right, so much to talk about, so much to cover. Thank you so much for being here. Joining us right now is uh, one of the heroes of state politics, Carol Platt-Lebow. She is the executive director of the Yankee Institute at yankeeinstitute.org. They are a think tank that I think that's the right way. Is that how you describe yourself, Carol?
7: Oh, you know what? I've been described in so many ways, and this is one of the better ones, Todd. Oh, so, really? Yeah, we're a policy organization, think tank, whatever. We're just delighted to be with you.
1: Okay. Uh, and and a, your mission is smaller government.
7: Uh, yes, and really empowering a people of Connecticut to, to forge a better life for themselves and their families.
1: What so. um, is that possible?
7: Yeah, you bet. Um, because you know what we want to do is equip them with the information and the wherewithal to go and make a difference. And it is, um, it is possible if we stay informed and do what we need to do.
1: All right, so what are you guys working on that has you most excited about that breakthrough mission?
7: <laughs> well, at the moment, um, as you know, what we have flagged is something that all of us should be a little bit concerned about, and that is the, the fact that our state budget has funded... A one hundred fifty thousand dollar a year uh, position, popularly known as a misinformation sheriff.
1: <laughs> I thought the president, uh, the uh, governor, was doing that without charge.
7: Um, no, no. Apparently, not only do you get to silence the citizens of our great state, you get paid for doing it.
1: So this is uh, this misinformation job. It's gotten a lot of attention over the past several days, and the idea is. What what the people in the Secretary of the State's office say is the idea is that it's a threat to election security to have people spreading rumors about things that are going on in the election system that might not be going on. What's your problem with that?
7: Well, my you know, the 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 answer of course to bad speech is not to silence people. That's not something government has any business in doing. Um, you know, they, they've made it clear, in fact, they're not even going to necessarily be transparent about what kind of speech they're trying to silence. Um, so the, the answer to bad speech is always more speech. It's not silencing people that you deem to be spreading information. And so my problem with this is government doesn't have any business trolling the Internet to decide who and who may not speak. There's a First First Amendment right, as you know, Todd, even to be incorrect. Mm -hmm. As long as you're not inciting imminent violence, um, the First Amendment allows you to have your say in this country, even if you were misinformed. And the government is not entitled to, um, you know, troll around the Internet and decide who and who may not speak.
1: This is a really uh, important point you're making, Carol, because... The idea of having a market-driven system is that in all markets, there be the most abundant delivery of things in each marketplace that it it produces. You want as much as possible so the market can sort it out. That is, shoppers can buy what they want to buy, and the stuff they don't buy dies on the vine.
7: That's exactly right. And, you know, the fact is that um, the government itself does not have actually a terribly, um, well, shall we say, praiseworthy record in, uh, in terms of its dissemination of misinformation. We've seen over the past few years that, in fact, um, sometimes the government gets it wrong, too. And so the Founding Fathers realized that you're in a very dangerous situation when you install government officials as the arbiters of what may and may not be said.
1: Well, that actually is the opposite of having a liberty-based system. As soon as the government is hiring people to make sure that only good information is allowed to fill the, the pipeline, then we're all in deep trouble because that means there are going to be political people who only make decisions based on how they can best benefit from the the, the flow of that information, and to make sure they squelch information that's not good for them. There's no way that anything good happens for normal people if the government is in the censorship business.
7: Well, precisely. And that's always been what distinguishes places like the United States from places like the Soviet Union or China. And we all know, Todd, that the right to speak is inseparable from the right to think. And whenever you have government officials who are tasked with, quote-unquote, countering misinformation, we all know that th- it's clearly intended to chill the expression of ideas that the administration opposes. And whether the administration is one that I agree with or the administration is one I disagree with, I don't care. That's not the government's job. And, um, and you know, the Founding Fathers clearly understood the danger Of having people who were, you know, who had the power of the state monitoring the expression of ideas and jumping in to silence people that were expressing ideas, even if misinformed ideas, that ran counter to the official narrative. That's not what we do here.
1: We do have another problem, though. Uh, Particularly, Connecticut is plagued, I think, with a lack of media. And, the, you know, there, there are places that have big cities and, and those big cities can like New York City has big newspapers that circulate hundreds of thousands of copies every day. And that provides enough money to those organizations, whatever their bias might be, they can afford to have people going out and investigating government. But in Connecticut, there's really very little of that going on. And what do we do to get more information? how do we get more facts out on the street because speaking to what you were saying a couple of minutes ago about the government not having the best track record we know there's a freedom of information law and the government the government ignores freedom of information requests foia requests and it takes months or years to respond to others and they're they're not clean players when it comes to the free flow of ideas and facts
7: well and what's been disturbing todd is That, um, in fact, someone asked whether this misinformation sheriff would be transparent, the office would be transparent about what, quote-unquote, misinformation um, he or she was going to sheriff. And uh, there was some ambiguity about that. Mm -hmm. It's far from clear that uh, they're going to even tell us what information they're intervening to silence. And, you know, that's just... Awful, however you want to slice it. If they're so confident that it's misinformation, then you know, be forthright about how this is wrong. Here's why, and that's why we insisted it be taken down. And you know, the, the fact that uh, the fact that that people are trying to jump into silence speech really uh, bespeaks a certain lack of confidence that their ideas can compete in the marketplace. It really tells you that they've, they've given up trying to convince you that you're right. And they've really adopted, again, the totalitarian line of, you know, we're not even going to try and convince you we're right. We're just going to tell you to shut up. Carol
1: Liebau heads the Yankee Institute. Carol, what else do you want us to know about this story?
7: Well, I mean, I think above all, um, everyone just needs to know that the secretary of the state has the option not to fill the position. And that this is a choice on the part of Governor Lamont, his administration, and the Secretary of the State. And that we should really be looking first to to ask, you know, to see whether they choose to fill this. And if they do, which is a mistake in and of itself, um, then all of us need to be pressing to make sure that they are very transparent about which speech they are policing. And um, it's my hope that someone will challenge this uh, on the grounds of its unconstitutionality, because it is transparently unconstitutional. And
1: are you talking about the state constitution?
7: Well, I mean, the federal constitution as well, as applied to the states through the 14th Amendment. And what
1: would, how would it violate the, the 14th Amendment?
7: Well, it violates the First Amendment, but the First Amendment applies to the states through the the Fourteenth Amendment.
1: I'm sorry. So you're saying this is a free speech violation because
7: it's it, as soon as as soon as um, as soon as this misinformation sheriff pulls <laughs> down uh, somebody's um, yeah. you know somebody's work, then they have violated that person's constitutional right to free speech.
1: In the study of power, which really being involved with politics is is learning about how power works and somebody said to me the other day that um, power is abuse and i thought that was a really interesting definitionally and i i pondered it for a couple of days and and i thought you know that's really true because the nature of power is to be able to force things that one pursues power so one can force things to happen that other people don't want to happen so in the competition to not be one of the people who lives under the one man, one vote rule, uh, some people go out there and chase all kinds of influence. And that's really what this is about. This shows that people in government who are supposed to be using that government to protect us from government, among other things, they they see it as their power and they want to use it for their own benefit.
7: Well, I, I mean, that's what this bespeaks. And it also bespeaks... Uh, one of two things. Either it shows they have no confidence in their ability to convince people of the rightness of their argument and that they've given up and instead they're just going to try and, um, in essence, fix the competition. Or, on the other hand, it bespeaks a really um, pathetic contempt for the people that they are supposed to view as their equals. Uh, in, gov- in, 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 you know, the people that they are supposed you know, you're not supposed to look down on the people that you're governing as hopeless idiots. And um, <laughs> so either they see us.
1: They didn't get the memo, Carol.
7: Yes. Either they see us as fools. Or they simply have given up on, on, uh, on trying to convince us, and they, they have decided they're just going to go straight for the lash.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they, they realize they can get away with virtually anything as long as they lie appropriately, and, and they do their best.
7: And Carol, they ought to be ashamed.
1: They should, yes. Carol Lebow, thank you for being here. YankeeInstitute.org, appreciate your time.
7: Always a pleasure, Todd.
1: Thanks so much. 860 We're going to catch a break and then catch some conversation coming up on WTIC. Yeah, good afternoon. How about we get some rants in now? Take some phone calls. Play some rants. Take some phone calls. And have ourselves a little fun.
5: Hey, Todd. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and getting an anticipated different result. That is our government here in Connecticut.
1: Well it's uh, first of all, that's not what insanity is but but that's what somebody said Their opinion of what insanity is is demonstrated by doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But that's not actually what. The definition of insanity is i just wanted to clarify that and then i think you got a little twisted at the end of it of your and statement and
5: getting an anticipated different result that is our government here in connecticut
1: and our government isn't insane because it's not thinking that it's trying to change anything it wants things to be just the way they are that is they keep raping us off for more money all the time And we keep going along with the gag, acting like or believing them to be legitimate as opposed to shysters.
5: Stealing money from people and they move out. And what happens? They have to tax us more to catch up with the money they don't have anymore. Again, they raise the taxes. It's absolutely crazy absolutely crazy well that's true. stop raising the taxes and our lives will be much better
1: but this is where this is where you're a little confused the only lives they are politicians are looking to improve is their own and that's if you think about it that's true If you when you go to work every day what's your primary thing you want to get ahead you're thinking about how your boss won't give you a raise. You're thinking about how you want that job and they wouldn't give it to you. You're thinking about how they make you park so far away or you want the better office. That's what we do. We think about our own best interest. Well, politicians are, I was going to say not so different, but they are very different. They are, they are more lustful and more singular in their desire to improve their own lot in life. And they will use our power and our money every day of the week as recklessly as they have to to get themselves ahead other than that i loved your rant
6: hello todd this is abraham from forestville abraham Uh, i happen to be listening to your podcast and uh... i was listening in the middle of the night i kind of have a bad habit of listening to things in the middle of the night while i'm half asleep that's not a bad Awake when i heard the term racism is a public health crisis Uh very disturbing it just so happens that i was perusing uh... the city of bristol's website and i saw that they had a diversity council i decided to check out the diversity council and found out that the underlying theme of this diversity council is racism is a public health crisis they've made available a bunch of materials that basically lead back to uh... Um, BLM-type mm-hmm. rhetoric and uh, critical race theory yeah, all that garbage. and all that. Yep. And now I hear from you that, and thanks to Leibovitz, that uh, Kevin Kelly and other feckless legislators on Scared. the Republican side Scared Republicans. are pushing this.
1: Well, they voted for it last year. I wonder year.
6: what Henry Martin would say about this. I wonder what Whit Betts would say about this. I wonder what Kara Pavlov would have to say about this. I wonder what Jeff Caggiano would have to say about this. And that's all I've got to say. I'm going to go try and get some sleep.
1: Sounds like Sounds like his life is not going so well. Or he just needs a lot more sleep. He sounds sad. And I understand when you hear about things like that, it, it, it can be sad. Let's see if the um, if the ride home is also in a in a sad state of mind. We'll check in with Mark Christopher, who's never sad. He is always pumped in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center, ready to deliver. Hey there, Mark.
0: All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time?